And now, live in studio, cutting through your typical media nonsense and offering you a rational and unbiased perspective on current events and life in Tampa Bay. He's a successful entrepreneur, published author, top listing agent, a real estate and finance expert that goes to bat for you every day as a consumer advocate. Your host and the consumer quarterback, Brandon Rhymes. Yes, wait a minute. That's not Brandon Rhymes. Uh, like any good backup quarterback, I've come off the bench to help out Brandon. He's a little under the weather today. We're going to be telling you just the way we normally do, uh, empowering you as consumers out there with lots of great information to make you more informed in the workplace and help you live a better life. Uh, Intelligent Radio still today, even with me here. And uh, we've got some intelligent folks in the studio today as well. Connor Keller's here from Insect IQ. Tell me, Connor, what's been going on, man? Oh, it's good to be here as always. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. A little, little cool out for me. I've thinned out since I moved down here. So yeah, it's, it's definitely not Florida weather. I can tell you that much. Freezing. Absolutely. Ron Fuller's here from Mossy Oak Fence. Ron, what's going on, man? James, man, it's great to have you behind the wheel. Well, I need your help. Like any backup QB, I'm going to need the team to support me a little bit today. All right. I'll get off the bench and warm it up. There you go. Let's talk. We'll talk about fencing for Christmas, and I want to talk about uh, custom fencing on in saltwater environments right along the coast. So a lot, of, a lot of different materials have to be used, and yeah. uh, you got to kind of think about where you're going to put that fence. You bet. Yeah, we've you. got the answer. All right. That's good news. And I'm visiting with Connor already today, and i got some great stuff. Connor, tell me, before we even get going, man, uh, you said the weather, uh, you're always dealing with bees, all this stuff. You've got something going on in, in St. Pete? I do. Actually, all over the state of Florida, we're still buzzing with work, no pun intended. <laughs> um, but uh, we're still really busy even into December. You know, we're getting these mild or cold fronts that come through, and then it gets mild again. And I think it's been great. It's great to work in, and thank God we live in Florida in a beautiful place like this and have this weather. But as far as um, you know, stinging insects are concerned, they're really year-round in Florida. You should be aware of that if you're working out in the environment, if you're a landscaper or even realtors. I mean, this right. you know, this is a real estate show. You're going out and looking at houses. You're you're prepping houses. You're you're showing houses. You should be concerned about that too, because we have stinging insects everywhere. Now, stinging insects. I mean, you're dealing with the worst of the worst. As a kid, is this something you never you know you never worried, you never scared of uh, wasp, bees, insects at all? Well, I have a memory of I was probably about six or seven years old in my backyard, and I saw a honeybee sitting on the ground. I picked it up, and of course, it stung me. <laughs> Went crying into my mom and. Uh, but no, I, I never thought I'd be the bug guy. I mean, I liked bugs. I've, I grew up in Florida in the outdoors and hunting and fishing and, and Southeast Georgia too. And, and I've always loved the outdoors. So it's a natural transition. I've always loved math and science, but actually um, out of college, I was in the restaurant business. I was, right. yeah, I was, I worked for Longhorn Steakhouse, Shell Seafood, a bunch of different restaurants all over the state and actually all over the country doing store openings and got married and started having a family. And I don't think the restaurant business is very conducive yeah. lifestyle for families. I, and, hear you. I got a little yeah. background in the restaurant yeah. too. I, I think I might rather move alligators around uh, chase coyotes. Sure. And and some and of that that's stuff. funny. You brought that up. I, another memory growing up in Florida as a kid, I was fishing on a golf course and uh, there was a, probably a two or three foot alligator in the lake and I was chasing my rattle trap around and I ended up hooking the alligator and reeling it up to the shore and picked up a rotten pine log and was beating it over the head trying to get my six dollar lure back from it <laughs> you know luckily uh you know I, i'm a little wiser now uh, you know the gator trappers i've always heard that you know a good gator trapper doesn't have all its fingers so that tells me i don't want to get into that business yeah, that field is for you <laughs> yeah. you handle that one for me i like my fingers 
Now, everything's dangerous. We talked about, uh, of course, gators and coyotes and that kind of thing, but tell me about the bees going on in St. Pete. Well, we have a church uh, that was contacted us through allfloridabeeremoval.com, which is our statewide stinging insect removal website. Just one one website, one call, and we can help you anywhere in the state of Florida. Uh, and a couple other companies that already tried to tackle this problem. It's a huge honeybee colony that's in the roof of this 100-year-old church. And, and this is still an active Peter. church, still oh, yeah. having uh, a mass and whatnot going on every weddings, okay. all sorts of stuff. Yeah, so it's a Lutheran church in downtown St. Pete. Actually, it's the Trinity Lutheran Church in downtown St. Pete. Um, they actually gave me permission to talk about them, talk to the media. Uh, you know, we're we're really taking care of them. They have a big problem. It's been there for years. I estimate we use the thermal camera, and I estimate anywhere from one to two hundred pounds of honeycomb sitting in the roof of this church right now. So, uh, tell me, uh, in your experience that's that's enormous, or that's it's huge? Yes. So it's been there, and they've known about it for a long time. And other companies have tried to go in and remove them or exterminate oh, really? them. Uh, yes, and and the number one rule for honeybee removal is to find the nest and remove it. And all of their companies have failed. And actually, uh, originally when we went out to scope it out, we were going to try to get it from the inside of the church. It's always easier to go through the ceiling than it is to go through a roof. Mm-hmm. You can imagine right. the, what's involved in opening up a roof and being in Florida with weather and sure. things like that. But it turns out we would need scaffolding to do it, and there was a choir pit underneath this beautiful building, old wood, right. you know, just something out of Victorian now, times. Before we get too far, with respect to that, it's a historic building. Yes. Aren't there factors that you can't adjust? You know, people are worried about losing the historic uh, appeal of the building, and there's law regarding that, right? Sure. I'm not familiar with it. Um, you know, I'm letting the church, the officials at the church, I've met with the church council and, and the the office manager there, and uh, we're going to need a lift to remove right. the bees. It's a tall structure. Uh, basically, we're going to use an 85-foot lift and going to have to block wow. some of the sidewalk walk off to, to access the portion of the church to remove the honeybees. So I will contact the city of St. Petersburg and make sure there's no issues and you know, blocking off a public sidewalk, right. but it shouldn't be more than a couple hours from start to finish. Man, what a project. I can't believe that that's how you do it, right? So on a scaffold, not a scaffold, but a, like a bucket. Yeah, the scaffolding was going to be a nightmare, and we, we got it all scoped out. It was very expensive. There were, you know, a tiered choir pit that they were going to have to uh, erect the scaffolding mm-hmm. over, and we we're going to be working 25, 30 feet in the air. Then you talk about cutting the ceiling, the mess that that yeah. makes, all that honeycomb dripping down, so you have to clean everything up. And then you have to repair the ceiling, too, all before a, a wedding right. or a Sunday service. So it was a big disruption to the church. And and because they've been there for so long, aren't the bees going to try to come back again as soon as you get them out of there? Yes, and that's where Insect IQ and our professional expert service comes in and doing it right the first time. And actually, like I said, we had scoped it out wrong. I went out and looked at it, and I like to do things simple, stupid. I think that you know, with that concept in life, things always go well. It's kind of a fresh set of eyes. And I said, you know, well, this is, I know exactly where the nest is, and it would be a lot easier to use a lift, cut the roof, pull the nest out, and repair it. I got a roofer involved that you've worked with us before and and is used to working on these historic structures. So essentially, we'll take the barrel tile off. Of of course, remove the honeybees first, but take the barrel tile off, cut through the sheathing, pull all that nesting material that's there between the joists, clean and sanitize everything. And then the most important step that we do is actually neutralize the pheromones so those bees don't come back. Oh, I see. You asked me before, that was a great question, yeah. um, that that smell uh, or odor from that nesting material is such a strong attraction for other colonies. Yeah. 
if that's not done correctly, you have repeated problems over and over. So just like when you're assessing a structure for uh, penetration, how did how did it get started? How'd they get in? Why did they come? I always liked your approach in terms of giving you a little more knowledge about how the situation sure. got to where it is. A lot of times you can prevent other problems. Right. If you look at a structure as a whole and figure out how it happened, what you need to do to resolve it. And then, of course, what needs to be done to prevent it. And that's true in, in my business. I'm sure that's true right. in the fencing business and, you know, across the board. That's just good customer service. If you're just joining us, I'm speaking with Connor Keller from Insect IQ. And one of the things I love about Connor is holistic approach. He's going to, he's not just going to come in and try to kill a bug when he sees yeah. it. He's going to find out why it's there, right. how, it, how, how it got there, why it's there, and how, what we can do to make sure it doesn't return. Yeah, that concept is called integrated pest management. And it was actually developed in agriculture to protect our food crops from pests without needlessly exposing us to pesticides. We've learned or taken those same lessons learned and applied it to urban pest management. And it's really looking at avenues, sources, and conditions in and around the structure sure. and addressing those so you don't have to constantly go yeah. in and spray pesticides to control pests. And give you some knowledge going forward so that you don't put right. yourself in that position again. Yeah, I'm constantly learning. As a matter of fact, you know, I always look for opportunities in everything I do. And, and out in diagnosing this problem and resolving it for this church, I discovered they had a huge pigeon problem. You know, and, and in addition to that, they also have a huge rat problem. So, of course, we were able to step up and they've contracted us and we've already massively resolved the rodent issue. Right. Another company was working on that. I mean, that's the problem is they had one company for this, one company for that. None of the companies were communicating gotcha. with each other. We were able to come in, consolidate everything professionally and quickly resolve all of their issues in a humane and convenient manner. And uh, moving forward, they will have... Uh, pest-free environment to conduct their services. And just like we talk about all the time on this show, giving them that knowledge gives them some power right. going forward to say, hey, this is how we got in the situation. These are factors that influenced our, how we got here. That's awesome. The, the I, best I, thing about all of this is it's right in time for Christmas. <laughs> That's right. A church it's a Christmas need, present. So. They're going to need that church space. Hey, I got to ask you about the coyotes. I know uh, it seems crazy that we talk about coyotes living amongst us here in the Bay Area. I've seen them. I, I mentioned to you a lot of times when we uh, visit. They were on the news a couple of weeks Is ago. That right? I don't know if you saw that. In I Miranda. saw them by the Skyway. I told you I was driving one night. I see a dog. I'm like, this poor dog out here by itself. There's a, oh, there's a twin. And I realize there's four of them. Wait a minute. That's a yeah. pack of coyotes. I couldn't believe it. I see it actually personally all the time in my house. I live in Brandon over on the uh, East Hillsborough County side, but I hear about them. We've actually done some coyote trapping and for the city of Tampa and downtown and uh, Curtis now, they're and pretty Park. smart as well. They've managed to survive in the urban environment right. and kind of move around. And like I said, I've seen them as far as the skyway. I've seen them up by the uh, Courtney Campbell. So they're getting around. Yeah, they, they will move around and there's really not a natural predator for them. We <laughs> uh, uh, historically have had things like wolves in Florida that have taken care of that red wolves, gray wolves, and they're, they're on the endangered species of even existing at all. I know we have a red wolf in Florida. I see them at the Lowry Park Zoo. They're pretty cool. They've just had babies, but those predators kept that in check. And so that's been removed and the balance of nature is not there. And so the coyotes have come in and thrive. And what, what, what are the fears? Well, I mean, what can coyotes really do in terms of damage? So there was a news story a couple of weeks ago. I saw where a lady was walking her dog and got attacked. It was like 630 in the morning in Tampa somewhere. Um, I think it was in Odessa and uh, she's walking her dog as a grandma. Coyotes attacked the dog and she tried oh to gosh. save the dog and the coyote actually took her finger off. So wow. attacked her. Yeah. So you never know what's out there. We know in Florida, you better be ready. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you know, like I said, bees, coyotes, wildlife. Uh, we're doing a lot of raccoon and bat trapping right now. The weather brings wants all brings all that stuff inside. So it's Connor Keller, Insect IQ. You can tell he's dealing with everything out there. So if you have any questions, give us a call. We'll be right back after a little while with the Consumer Quarterback Show, ConsumerQB.com. 
Hey, this is Jarek Robbins. You are listening to the Consumer Quarterback Show with Brandon Rimes. Please do what it takes to learn all that you have to to live the life you want to live. Live it fully and find a way to give it by paying it forward to others. Get in touch with Brandon online at ConsumerQB.com. Ian Beckles here with my man, Brandon Rimes, a.k.a. the Real Estate Quarterback. Brandon, what's happening with the market? Thanks, Ian. We are in a low inventory market, so any of our listeners are homeowners and would like a free comparable market analysis or a 2.5% listing, we will honor this for the first three listeners who call or text in 813-773-1253. Free CMA and a 2.5% real estate listing at 813-773-1253. Check out PlatinumMVPRealty.net. PlatinumMVPRealty.net. Hey, I'm Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man. And I'm here with my business partner, Brandon Rimes, the real estate quarterback. Thanks, Ken. If you're a seller thinking about selling your property, we would love to talk to you. Text CMA to 813-670-7372, 813-670-7372, or check out PlatinumMVPRealty.com. PlatinumMVPRealty.com. You're listening to the Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rhymes, online at ConsumerQB.com. Brandon is Tampa Bay's number one consumer advocate for real estate and financial advice. Call Brandon today at 813-670-7372. All right, welcome back. It's the Consumer Quarterback Show. Brandon is out today. I'm your backup quarterback, James DeJerome, producer here on the show. I've got Connor Keller from Insect IQ and Ron Fuller from Mossy Oak Fence in the studio with us today. I was going to ask Ron a little bit. We've talked about getting all the critters out of your house. What about a fence for keeping them out, Ron? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a pretty easy way to do it and very effective. But I wanted to tie in your restaurant and the insects. So I just tried for the first time cricket protein. No, it wasn't too bad. What do you mean you tried cricket? Where did you come by this? <laughs> Health food store that I frequent. And it, it was a powder? It was an actual a powder. Crickets? Yeah, it's a powder. And uh, they actually make uh, bars with it as well. And your review for us? Very good. Delicious. Kind of had a whey protein vibe to it. Okay. So we mixed it with what? Uh, I had the chocolate. But, Delicious. Uh, yeah. I have chocolate a question. Crickets. I have a question. Did it put a little spring in your stuff? <laughs> Sorry. I know it, man. I got to tell you, I, I didn't get any legs or wings in it. It was, right. it was actually very good. If you well, think about the cleanliness of, take of your the insect, you know, all they do is eat grass. Mm-hmm. No, I, so. it sounds like a, a winner, but I'll wait a little while. I'll bring you one. Okay. I'll now, trade you for a protein donut. What, now, they would, uh, could they eat your cedar fencing? Absolutely yeah, not. You know, one of the great things about cedar, cedar has a, a natural characteristic that insects don't like. Um, there, there's oils. It's that smell, that really great smell that you get with uh, cedar. And so it just, it's kind of, it has God-given, built-in uh, natural defenses. You know, when grandma wanted to uh, keep her 100-year-old wedding dress in a hope chest, they were always made out of cedar. Hmm. And uh, nicer homes will have cedar-lined closets because of moss. Yeah, I know in Florida real estate, that it's a prized thing when they walk in an old mm-hmm. house and they see cedar around. They're always like pointing out the beams and making sure it's a selling point. Oh, absolutely. So cedar is a superb product. And, and in our wood fences, that's all that we use. Uh, in fact, we build the gates out of cedar. And, and one of the really, really inherent advantages of cedar on your wood gate is it's lightweight. It's a third of the weight. 
So the wear and tear on your hinges, the sagging that you get, nobody likes the sagging. We all get old, we sag. Well, our fences do as well. And uh, you, you don't get that with, with the uh, Cedar Gate. It's, it's a phenomenal product for gates. Now, just like when, when uh, Conrad walks up on a, a job and kind of assesses it, you've got to decide to the homeowner what's the best looking thing, but what, what fits and what aesthetically is going to work, and then what materials are best for the job. Yeah, it's, we, we kind of specialize in high-end fencing, and we, we've got areas such as Winter Park and, and Maitland, and uh, we do a lot of custom work in the, the coast, New Smyrna, and uh, so we, we can actually customize a fence for, for the home. Uh, we, we train our staff to actually look at the, the vibe of the home. Mm. Uh, now, in some cases, your HOA determines what you're going right. to get, and that's it. But we can get really creative uh, with these estate homes or some of these older homes that, that have beautiful. Uh, I, there's one that comes to mind. There, the guy had a lot of stonework and, and had cedar. Mm. And a wood fence was just the right thing for him. Uh, sometimes it's a combination of a black aluminum and a wood. Uh, sometimes there, there's places where a white picket fence is, is the ticket. But in that case, we can go PVC and eliminate all the maintenance. Yes. So, Florida, we, we get a marine environment. Sometimes we've got salt. Yeah. You're, sometimes you're inland and still have a lot of moisture in the air. Yeah, you're near, near uh, The sun is a killer down here, just like it eats up shingles and everything else. Mm-hmm. So you've got to kind of assess the, the, the natural environment figure out what fits absolutely so so in the the case of a wood fence the uh the post is where you're going to get your 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 failure so we use galvanized steel and concrete with a cedar fence we eliminate that issue but you mentioned sun uh one of the things that you'll see with the aluminum fence is in the morning what do you have on everything you have the dew right Mm. so when that dew is getting hit with the sun it's acting like a magnifying glass and so that the top rail of your aluminum fence is getting just hammered every morning. Right. Uh, we use a really high quality product. It's a, it's a domestic aluminum with powder coating from Sharon Williams. And uh, those are the types of things that can really make a difference in, in the longevity of your fence. In the saltwater environment, it's all about using stainless steel. You can't get away with galvanized nails. You've, you've got to use a specialized product. And that's what we do as well. Now, we talked about keeping uh, critters out of your house. You were telling me on, during the break here that you've seen an alligator climb a chain link fence? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a community we do a lot of work in. Uh, and almost every home is on a retention pond. And everybody has spotted an alligator or two. Um, people with dogs, people with small children. And unfortunately, even adults, there's stories of adults being literally killed by, by alligators, full-grown adults. Hmm. So it's, it's one of the great safety measures. Yes, they can climb a fence. Uh, there's no guarantee of, of safety in, in any case, but a fence is certainly going to slow them down. It's going to confuse them, and you're probably going to hear it. Yeah. Now, uh, Connor, if you were to show up for a nuisance alligator, do you have to identify the size of it? Is it, is it legal to take any alligator out of a no, water No, they're body? still protected. You okay. can't, um, you know, un, uh, under, uh, I believe, state and federal law. And I, there was a lottery instituted a few years ago, and I believe they still do it every year, where you can apply for a lottery ticket and then hire a professional, uh, try, or go out and hunt alligators. But uh, basically, the there's a few trappers left in the state of Florida that uh, the work with the Fish and Wildlife folks, the commission, and so you call Fish and Wildlife for a nuisance alligator, and then they'll send a trapper out that'll trap and remove the and alligator. It can be any size and still be a nuisance, even if it's juvenile? It has to be aggressive, basically, is the problem. Um, and I think they usually wait till they're over a certain size, three or four feet, before they- I was just they, thinking, a lake where you have multiple alligators, 
he's the problem. Well, How the issue with out? alligators is people feed them. And right. once you they're fed by a human, they lose their fear. They have a natural fear of humans, want nothing to do with you, actually, you know, quickly move away from you. Uh, if you are in around a body of water and there's an alligator paying attention to you or following you around the lake, you know, it, there's, that's a bad sign. <laughs> I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. I've actually been, doing, not to take, you know, time from Ron, but I, I've been doing a termite uh, treatment installation right on a lake you, using an auger, and a, uh, which he's probably done mm-hmm. many times uh, installing fence posts, but I was installing uh, bait stations and there was a large wading bird on the other side of the pond. And I, I mean, I, it looked like a 15 foot alligator that mm-hmm. day. It was probably about a seven or eight foot alligator came out of the water, grabbed the bird and dragged it back into the water. And I was on the other side of the lake in about the same situation. Needless to say, the rest of the day, I had one, <laughs> one, one eye behind me. I was thinking how, you know, I could stop the alligator with that gas powered auger. So we were going to do battle. So when, you, when you're looking for an alligator, do you just look for track? You look for broken tracks or some kind of. If you see a body of water in Florida, there's an alligator in it. That's a general rule. And if there's not there, there could be at any time they move from body of water to body of water. The best time to see alligators is at night. If you live on a lake or live near water, just go out with a flashlight and shine yeah. your beam. You see the red eyes and you'll see them everywhere. Um, but, you know, they, they're usually going to be where food and water and shelter is. Uh, certain times of year, they're they're reproducing, and that's a very dangerous time of year to be in and around water where they're present. Uh, yeah, that's you right. Know, there's all sorts of things. That's when they go on land. I remember having a time of year. They when nest. Yeah, yeah. They just catch them walking the, down the middle of a street. That, that female alligator will vigorously defend her nest if you come near it. Have you seen that YouTube video of the Polk County monster? It was, it was, uh, it was really hitting the... Uh, youtube airwaves about a year ago it was at a golf course somebody filmed it this thing was absolutely james man this brother this thing was probably 18 footer really it was monster holy cow so what's the age you think of something that size an alligator gets to be that big (sighs) it's been around for a long time but uh and well fed because that's what happens they usually either i know if you've seen the videos down not change the subject but down in the everglades where the bow constrictors and the alligators are going at it and Uh the, the the alligators bursting out of the bow constrictor. So there's really, you know, that's, that's the danger. Alligators are nothing. Right. Those bow constrictors spreading across the state like that are just destroying everything. Wow. Yeah. If I see one of those things, it's dead. So dead. Ron, if, if, if I'm building a house on, on a body of water mm-hmm. and I want, I'm going to have you build a fence, you better have a spotter out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, a, a real good fence for, for, for the edge of the water would be chain link. And uh, close to the ground, heavy duty, um, you know, a thicker, maybe even commercial grade, because that's going to, it's really going to wreak havoc on a gator trying to, to pass it. In fact, the picture that I have, the gators climb in the chain link fence because right. he can't penetrate it. And that's the most common approach is they try to burrow under that thing. Yeah, typically. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, but it's really important. If you have pets, if you have uh, children, you really have to protect yourself from alligators. And the other thing that people don't consider is even protecting their pet from another dog. Mm. Uh, if you have a, a, a smaller or medium-sized dog and there happens to be a, an alpha male pit bull walking around or, or even, you know, a German Shepherd, some of the bigger dogs, um, you know, you could very well see a, a problem you don't want to see with your beloved pet. I just learned from Connor. In fact, it was, must have been a few trips ago when you were here with us that feral cats, uh, another issue that we have to deal with in Florida, will take... Uh, domestic cats they'll eat them well uh, i i've seen uh, that's funny because rodents um you know come to think of it you just remind me of a situation where we've done rodent trapping in big like apartment complexes 
and go back the next day and all that's left is like the head because they're cannibalistic. They will tear each other up. But cat's a living animal and they get in a desperate situation. You know, yeah. they'll do desperate things. So I wouldn't put it beneath them. I had no idea that could come on. We'll learn more about it as we come back. Join us in just a second. Consumer QB, ConsumerQB.com. Hey everybody, I'm Forbes Riley, celebrity TV fitness host and creator of The Spin Gym. I'm here today with Brandon Rimes and you're listening to The Consumer Quarterback Show. Great ways to get happy, healthy, and wealthy. To get in touch with Brandon, call 813-670-7372. Online at ConsumerQB.com. You're listening to The Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rhymes, cutting through your typical media nonsense and offering you a rational and unbiased perspective on current events and life in Tampa Bay. Online at ConsumerQB.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Consumer QB Show. I'm not Brandon Rhymes. I'm your backup quarterback, James DeJerome. I put down the clipboard. I got my baseball hat off. Put me in the game, and I'm trying to help you out. I've got some intelligent folks joining me today on the radio. Connor Keller from Insect IQ and Ron Fuller's here from Mossy Oak Fence. And we've been talking all kinds of crazy stuff. We've got alligators walking through neighborhoods, and we're pulling bees out of stuff. We've got fences that alligators can climb up. So stay tuned. You're going to find out some things today you may not know. And uh, let's, t- let's swing it over to Ron. Ron, tell me a little bit more about uh, fences and how they deal with water bodies and whatnot. Sure. So the, the key with, with a fence in, in the water area First of all, is rot. So that post, whatever's contacting the ground, has has got to be rot, rot proof, not resistant. It really needs to be proof. What about how swampy we are down here? How 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 deep you go, and what's the proper technique for that thing? Absolutely. So uh, you really let's talk about the the worst type, which is a wood post. Uh, there's number one, two, and three grade pine typically. Uh, if you're going to go wood post, and we do as well to save money. You want to be number one grade. That's going to be a better, better tree, better uh, pressure treatment, right. and you want to put it in concrete. Um, your level second or third level wood posts, they're just simply not going to hold up. Uh, the best way to do it is galvanized steel and concrete. Uh, that's the, we use the same post that a stop sign has, and you watch hurricanes come through, and that stop sign holds up generally. God help you if it doesn't, because it becomes a missile. Right. <laughs> and uh and so that's that's a critical thing to do you, you've got to think about and, and you're absolutely right james we're sandy soil we're wet soil florida is basically a swamp right and uh anything that's in the ground is really going to take a beating rotting carpenter ants termites uh mold mold will help deteriorate wood sure um, and that's that's really the best thing you can do if, if you're going to keep your home any length of time Spend the money for quality. Absolutely. Is there a certain formula where if your fence has to be 10 feet, it has to be a certain depth into the ground? Yes. You ask that question. Typically, we want to go three or four feet in. We have something that, that's a real, real cool post. It's a six by six dado post. It's a decorative top. It's a real thick, heavy post. We put that bad boy four feet into the ground. Have you ever run into a circumstance where you just didn't have the depth because of the condition of the ground or some other circumstance? Yeah, funny you should bring that up. Babcock Ranch, which is the the big North Fort Myers community, doing really well. One of the top selling communities in the state. Uh, They have what we call hard pan, and it's a very difficult dig. Uh, It's more of a coral situation. It's it's interesting you have Cape Coral 
That is exactly the name for it because <laughs> it's a cape of coral. And uh, that can be very difficult to dig in. So that lime, lime rock, you got to get through that. Absolutely. Now, if you puncture that, does, does you have groundwater issues coming through there? You could. I, I'd say it depends on, on what kind of water source you have under it or near it. You could certainly run into that issue. Uh, Cape Coral is, is a perfect example. Those homes, they really need to be raised. Um, this is a completely different subject, but you had some homes built in the 70s. And then they, they realize, oh, we got to raise them now. They're in the 80s and 90s. And you have homes all different levels with, with their uh, foundations. And the higher, the better. Right, right. I got you. Now, uh, we were talking with Connor Keller from Insect IQ previously about some of the jobs he's come across. You were mentioning to me in the break that you had something. Yeah, I, I want to take a moment and confirm some of the things uh, Ron's saying in regards to going steel or, or metal over wood. Materials. Yeah, um, cubicle wood rot is a, an actual live uh, fungus that attacks uh, seasoned wood and breaks it down. And it's things we look for on wood-destroying organism inspection reports. When we do termites, I look at fences. I look at uh, the wood-to-earth contact next to the house. That's probably the easiest place to find termites. So anytime you can eliminate that cellulose material and go non-cellulose, uh, steel, metal, you know, anything, vinyl, anything like that, you're always going to be better off. And uh, he mentioned maintenance and, you know, when you have to replace your whole fence in 10 years because it's destroyed by termites, you know, you should have probably gone with that metal or, or vinyl fence instead. I'm, I'm never, I'm always amazed rather at the amount of damage that you you'd swear this particular uh, material was, couldn't be hurt. Uh, we had previous uh, pictures that you showed me of rats actually doing damage to metal piping. Well, yeah, rats have to constantly gnaw on their teeth. And actually, I think some of the pictures I included in the slideshow show some of those lead boots on a roof. Oh, here we go. Yeah, they're plumbing stacks, and that vents the toilets and, and sewer system. But squirrels gnaw on that. That's a, a, what I look for, evidence that you have squirrel activity in and around the home. And in this case, uh, squirrels have gotten in. The lady's hearing them during the day running around. So um, I figured out the, the entrance they were using, and I actually installed a one-way door that they run out. Uh, effectively taking advantage of their behavior. Right. They can't, I've sealed everything else back up and they can't get back in and it resolved the issue without having to go through trapping and repeated visits. And that's really where a professional comes in. If you're, you're building a fence or you have squirrels in your attic, your best bet is to seek a licensed contractor and use them every time. Absolutely. Now, if you're just joining us on our uh, television program on uh, WeBeam TV, Connor's got some photos that he was showing uh Go through some of the steps. I think you showed some termite stuff. Is that what it was? Yeah, definitely. This is a house uh, in New Tampa that had subterranean termites, and the termites actually got into the uh, frame around the garage door, mm -hmm. and it's very expensive to replace. Uh, and luckily, it's not structural damage. They've caught it early, so we've gone in. We're drilling the garage slab and then trenching and treating around the exterior perimeter of that structure and then also drilling any abutting slabs, effectively giving a, a complete non-repair non-repellent barrier around the structure. Now, what, it's is, very effective. what is the uh, stat you t mentioned before on, on the show about termites doing more damage than... Uh... Fire, flood, and wind combined. That's not typically oh, yeah. covered by your homeowner's insurance. Uh, unless you purchase a specific rider uh, to cover termites, which is almost unheard of. You, know, you check your policies, but they're not covered. Yeah, um, you, you know, the state of Florida, back up and talk about termites. There's uh, In the building code, they require a preventative termite treatment. Anytime you build a structure... Uh, that involves pouring concrete or even an elevated slab. And so a contract, general contractor or builder hires a licensed uh, pest control company to come in and treat that soil or treat the wood itself to prevent termites. 
we um, attach a, a notice of treatment, and there's all sorts of paperwork that goes into closing the permits out. So it's a it's a big deal, a legal situation. They do that because you're just like you're saying, you're more likely to get termites in your house or in that wood fence you're considering. Um, that's all relative, and um, there's steps you can take you know, to prevent that. And it's not just a one-time thing. I mean, you think of it that way as a homeowner. I got termites. I'm going to have to get a treatment done. But it's a, it's a recurring treatment right. that has to, because those things are just keep coming back. Well, so we recommend a treatment, preventative treatment or a curative treatment, depending on the situation. And then we do annual inspections. We offer a warranty with the treatment that you can renew every year. Um, we both we have both a retreatment warranty that's more affordable where we just cover a new activity or we have a full damage repair bond, which will cover up to a million dollars. I think what really sets us apart from most companies is our contract. And we have one or two lines of exclusion. You know, if a tree falls on your house right, and right. You, your roof opens up and, and you don't do anything about it and you get termites, well, that's not our fault. But other than that, you know, once we treat the structure, you shouldn't get any live termites in it and we take care of it. And here in Florida, we've got all different kinds, right? We've got Formosan right. and another kind as well. Right. We have drywood, subterranean, uh, Formosan are a type of subterranean. Uh, but Ron, did you have a... Yeah. What? You know, one of the things that, because you have intelligent listeners, because you have intelligent folks you're listening there to, you right? Go. So uh, Connor brought up the contract. You got to beware. A lot of uh, termite treatment bonds say, oh, we'll re we guarantee we'll retreat for termites and it excludes the damage, they're the 4000 or $80,000 worth of damage they did to your home. Yeah, they're not worth the paper they're printed on. And and that's where a good company comes in and really doing your background on the company. And just like if you hired a general contractor to fix your roof or, you know, anything, a fencing contractor, mm -hmm. you there's good companies and there's bad companies out there. And um, I everybody I've met on this show has been, you know, good company, good sure, people. Sure. And I think that goes around. Well, that's what we try to do here on the Consumer Quarterback Show is provide some knowledge out there for our listeners to make them empowered and get some better decisions and give them a little protection out there in the world. Because like you said, it's a jungle in the consumer world. Hey, Ron, I had a question for you. Yeah. I, dealing with sports, my background is in athletics, uh, uh, coaching. Everyone erects these uh, chain link fences, but they put the plastic coating yeah. and the windscreen on it. Mm -hmm. So it gives you some privacy, really sharp looking. Mm -hmm. is, that, is there a residential application for that kind of fencing? You know, that's a, it's a great question. Typically residential, you're going to see that in tennis court enclosures yeah. or sport enclosures. Now I am a big fan Nudist of this colonies. Yeah. Sorry. Those two. <laughs> yeah. We, we have a fence. We do an eight foot fence for, for folks to do that. But one thing I can't understand is they have a zip line tower that's 14 feet tall. Well, so much interesting. For yeah. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of black chain link yeah. in residential. It, visually your eye actually goes past it. It's, it's, it's so attractive and, and it's such a durable fence. I'm a big fan of the black chain link. The other thing is you can plant any type of shrub, you know, the typical viburnum or the shrubs that grow quickly into that black chain link and never see it. Critters can't get through it, but when, once that plant has taken over and gone around the black chain link, it becomes completely invisible. Does that uh, black chain link outlive a, a, a standard because of the coating? Absolutely. So it's it's actually James. It's a, it's a galvanized. It's the same galvanized chain link that you see in commercial applications with a black coating, with a plastic coating, and it, it will outlast anything. The only thing that will take out a chain link fence that's properly installed is a, a hurricane where you've had a tree fall on it or 
Grandpa had a few too many beers and backed into it. Yeah, because they're sharp looking. I really think mm-hmm. that's a good look for a home. It, it is, and it's, a, and it's extremely durable. The other great advantage that's inherent with a chain link fence is it has the holes in it. So when you have a wind, you know, one of the issues that fences run into, when you have an 80, 90 mile an hour wind hitting it just right, it's putting a lot of pressure on the post. It's probably going to fail. You simply don't have that issue with chain link because of the honeycomb design. Right. Hey, man, honeycomb. And also, <laughs> even with the wind socks or in the, uh, the the wind breaks, they also allow airflow. Gotcha. Thanks so much, Ron Fuller, Mossy Oak Fence. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Grant Cardone, and you're listening to Consumer Quarterback Show, hosted by my friend Brandon Rhymes. Do not touch that dial. I'll come right through the radio and grab your throat. To get in touch with Brandon, call 813-670-7372, online at ConsumerQB.com. Once upon a time, there was a three-bedroom ranch-style house. I've got a pool and an updated kitchen. For weeks, it waited. Nobody wants me. The realtor advertised with Homes and Land. Homes and Land magazine makes finding the right house easy. And at homesandland.com, all it took was a few clicks for a family to find the perfect updated ranch. And we all lived happily ever after. For a free copy of the magazine, call 1-800-277-7800 or visit homesandland.com. Hey, I'm Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man. And I'm here with my business partner, Brandon Rhymes, the real estate quarterback. Thanks, Ken. We're recruiting real estate agents to our team, PlatinumMVPRealty.com. If you want to knock out your competition, join PlatinumMVPRealty.com. 813-670-7372. 813-670-7372. Join the winning team. You're listening to The Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rhymes, online at ConsumerQB.com. Brandon is Tampa Bay's number one consumer advocate for real estate and financial advice. Call Brandon today at 813-670-7372. All right, welcome back. It's The Consumer Quarterback Show. I'm your backup quarterback, James DeJerome. And uh, we got a couple of things that Brandon always does that we're going to continue on the show today. And that is the feel-good story. And I tell you, one of the best things on the show is this idea that we're out there finding news that's positive for you because it's everywhere. And it's a shame that we're, it's unique to find. That's my problem with it. It's everywhere. And we've got a story today about these fires out in California, terrible tragedy going on out there. These people have endured unbelievable hardship. We've got a story about a dog. This poor lady had to leave. The fires are coming. She has to evacuate. And her dog has to be left behind. So Andrea Gaylord is her name. Andrea returned to her home in Paradise, California. She was so surprised to see her beloved dog Madison had survived the fire and was waiting patiently for her return. She was not able to get to her home when the camp fire began to spread on November 8th, meaning Madison, her dog, was left behind. All she could do was pray for Madison's safety. Gaylord was able to connect with animal rescue volunteer Shayla Sullivan, who checked on the property and continued to leave food and water for the dog. A month later, when authorities lifted the evacuation order, Gaylord was allowed to return to her property, which had been decimated by the fire. But her prayers were answered, and Madison, the dog, was still sitting there waiting patiently for her family at the home where the home used to stand. She said, imagine the loyalty of hanging in the worst circumstances and being here waiting for us. I was so emotional, she told the TV station. Hmm. What a great story. The dog looks like it's not even bothered by the... It's fine. Golden Retriever. Best (laughs) dog ever. 
I tell you what, I, what, when you think about what going, people losing their entire home, I mean, we're threatened annually down here as Floridians. We've got to consider there may be a hurricane coming towards us. We may lose all these possessions. Fire turns everything to ash. There's not even a, there's nothing left behind Plus, for these James, folks. Just the sheer, just the sheer violent brutalness of a hot fire. My wow. goodness. You I know, we imagine. can deal with wind and even the water and it's still dangerous, but a fire that isn't playing around. You, you you just can't simply do anything but escape if you're lucky enough to. The speed with which it moved and the damage with it. There are people going back, digging through ash and dirt, trying to find anything they can to even find it. If they're, this is where my house stood, right. they can't even tell that it used to be here. Yeah, they, I, one of the greatest causes of fire in Florida is actually rodents chewing on wires and attics and starting fires. So it's just another good point, you know, yeah. as, as far as... Being on top of that and, and looking for those signs in and around your property, whether you're hearing stuff in your attic, smell something funny. Sometimes you just get flies. Uh, something dies in your attic. You don't really suspect anything else, but you get these large blow or flesh flies in your house. So that's a good sign that you have a bigger problem going on. So you got to um, be diligent looking for the clues. Yeah, definitely. And just, you know, you, you just be aware, you know, if you're ignorant, then you're going to kind of get what you deserve and, and you may have a house fire from something like that. But that's what I mean with Connor, taking the holistic approach. You want to find out what the problem is, but you can see that thing coming down it's the road a little bit. all about prevention. Yeah. You know, it's a, what is it? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure when it okay. comes to pests and things like termites and, you know, that, and, and even purchasing a fence. I mean, not to, to go back to that, but it, it's so true. And I talk to homeowners about this all the time and they ask me, should they get a wood fence or a metal or vinyl fence? And I tell them every time, non-cellulose, non-cellulose, uh, it's going to last a lot longer. You're not going to have the problems with insects and, and rot and disease. And, and I think you actually save money when you uh, consider all those things long so, term. So, Ron, in the future of the fencing game, there may be hybrid products or mm-hmm. materials coming out that kind of simulate wood and yeah. plastics and give us even more durability. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you recall, years ago, they came out with Tyvek and different uh, products for wood decks. Um, and it, that stuff's bulletproof. So, you know, think of the days when you're at the beach and you're walking on that boardwalk and you're getting these terrible slivers and splinters in your feet uh, because that pine is just, you know, the sun has taken its toll. Right. They've come out with a product that's simulated two by four and they build great decks and great walkways out of them. And so, yes, the uh, products, I, I hope to see that. Is it, it plastic? I don't I, mean I I hope it is. Sure, it's, it's recycled yeah. Uh, yeah. poly. It's, it's any that. type of poly products. It, it's dashboards and mattresses and Anything that was made out of any kind of petroleum foam uh, gets recycled, and it's bulletproof. Man, I'm all for that. We've got so much, these stories about the plastics in the ocean and these different things that are going mm-hmm. on. We need to find a way to use that material, uh, you know, any way we can, or find something that can eat it, some way to get rid of it. You know, one of the interesting things that uh, I talked to Connor about is, you know, I, fi- I find it fascinating. I live in a historic town, Mount Dora. Right. Uh, there's homes that were built in the 1890s, buildings that were built in the 1880s, 1890s. They, they're standing up well. They've stood up well to termites. And yet you can have a new home built out of wood in Florida, and the termites just get right after it. I wonder if it's a forest issue. I can answer that question. First of all, Mount Dora is one of my favorite cities in Florida. I, mean, I grew up in Orlando, but I just like Mount Dora. It's just a, a really cool place to go visit and even go up on like a Saturday or something like that and spend the day, have dinner and shop. But, uh, you know, those houses, the wood's almost petrified in it, really. I don't know if you've tried to ever cut a beam in your house or mm-hmm. do any remodel. I mean, you'll go through a couple uh, blades trying to cut through that. It's all heart pine and it's been there for a hundred years. And 
you know, all, a lot of so the, did it get hard via age? Is that what it is it, yes. over time? Well, the other thing is we're using a lot of slash pine now in building products, which it grows faster. Yes. We replant it. Central America. It. It's a different pine. Okay. So it's just that's hard pine, Georgia yellow pine, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so. you know, Connor James, the, the thing was when you're building a home, you were using local wood. Right. You weren't going to Home Depot with your F one fifty. So it was wood that was native to the area. Gotcha. Cut and milled right there. Exactly. And now Central and South America, they, they grow pine and they use actually growth hormones. I mean, you can think of uh, bodybuilders. It's the same way. I mean, you can use hormones in plants. And what you get is a, a grossly fast growing tree that's super soft. And on a side note, that just made me think of something that spring wood, that fast, soft wood is what termites go after. So when you get subterranean termite damage in a piece of wood, it seems like they just eaten with the grain of wood and it's actually, it's the same concept of counting the rings in a stump to see how old the tree is. It grows real fast in the spring and summer and then hardly grows at all in the winter. And that's why you get those different colors, but it's that spring soft wood that they just I had destroy. A, I had a buddy doing some work for me and he said, oh, the treated pine, termites love that. I said, what is it treated? It's treated, right? And yeah. he said, yeah, it's well, like dessert. the EPA outlawed arsenic. And uh, so the reason you'll see a 16 year old pine fence that's holding up is because it was domestic southern yellow pine with arsenic. Today, you know, the EPA outlawed it, which is good for our water, better for our environment. Um, but this soft wood that comes from uh, Central America is awful. It's it's palate grade. Gotcha. Yeah. And they're also treating it now with uh, boric acids. And, you know, it's when you said that arsenic's gone, that pressure treatment is with a boric acid or boron type mineral. And we use that same product, uh, new construction, to treat preventatively for subterranean That dermates. explains why I used to work in television in uh, Gainesville area, and we had a, the New Yankee Workshop, the gentlemen do yes. this uh, carpentry, and they were having divers go in all these cold water springs looking for a cedar that had been sunk on the bottom. Because, cedar and cypress, too. Yeah. That's the other. So they, these logs were very valuable. After 50 years under submerged, they were came out, like you said, oh, hard yeah, or petrified. So they came, construction material, they all were you know dying for this stuff yeah, they make beams and stuff out of that oh, but yeah. that stuff's priceless no mm-hmm. kidding so it's something to do with the time or there's the water um i think it's that natural preservation of the so water it's cool and, and, and right. there's nothing gets to it down right. there oh man that's something mm-hmm. and there's just not a lot of that being cut and milled these days understood now what else is going on in terms of uh we talked about coyotes and bees and insects you said you had another project going on? Yeah, so um, I have an account over in Feather Sound right off of the interstate when you get over the bridge into St. Pete, and it's a big commercial uh, banking operation, and they have a problem with feral cats. And a year or two ago, we did a bunch of feral cat trapping on their loading docks. I'm not sure if people have just released cats there, and it's just grown in this huge colony, um, but the cats have become a nuisance. They're getting, you know, they're using the bathroom everywhere and, and getting into things, and and this is probably where it may be a good lead for you for fencing to keep them out. But I don't know if much will keep cats out. You know, they're, right. they're climbers. And um, so what we do is we go in and evaluate the situation and we're trapping the cats. Uh, they're feral cats. So we take them to uh, a local society here in Tampa. We get them uh, spayed or neutered. They clip their ears. And then we have several cat rescues. I have feral colonies on large pieces of property. 
that we go release the cats in. So it's a it's a win win situation for everybody. In terms of animal removal, where are they stack up? How difficult compared to some of the other things you deal with? Possums, raccoons, you do all that stuff. Yeah, it just depends if they've been trapped or not. Cats are super smart, and most of your feral cats have probably been. In, someone's tried to trap them at one point or the other, so that's what you run into. They, so typically, it's a baited cage of some kind. It is. Tra- it's a live trap, the same trap we use for raccoons. You have to get creative sometimes. You have to cover them up and and you know kind of camouflage them, and then uh, sheets work well or put them in the bushes uh, where you know the cats are harboring and then use attractive bait uh, cat food just white cat food works really well tuna fish sometimes you'll get a lot of non-target animals raccoons and possums in the process so depending on the account and what they want you know they may we we may remove those as well now raccoons and possums are are they considered uh, nuisance animals they just happen to be well, anything that, um, you know, that interacts with humans in and around their structure right. and becomes a nuisance is, in fact, a nuisance. Animal. Even if it's, see, I always think of the natural, the feral cat seems to me like, man, put it out there right. somehow, and that created the problem. A raccoons and possums are out there anyway. I see them all the time, and they're not a problem until they bother you. If they're getting your garbage can or they rip in, you know, to your, your siding of your house and, and start uh, nesting in your attic, it becomes a problem. That might be good for you, Ron. Wintertime comes, all the critters start to get, they want to get in your house where it's warm. <laughs> you got to put a fence around that thing. Right, right. Yeah, you know, honestly, the fence fence is uh, is a great deterrent for bigger critters, but the climbers are going to get in. All right, um, you absolutely are right, though. With the cold weather, uh, the mammals especially want to find a warm Seek place shelter. Yeah. Yep. Well, thanks again, guys. It's been great, great uh, giving some knowledge out to people, and thanks for joining us here on the Consumer Quarterback Show. Check us out online, consumerqb.com, and uh, we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rhymes. Whether it's real estate, consumer, or financial advice, let Brandon call your next play. Contact Brandon Rhymes at 813-670-7372. That's 813-670-7372. Online at consumerqb.com. And join us next time for the Consumer Quarterback Show. Weekday afternoons at 5 on AM 1380, The Biz.